Here at Chasing Growth, we use the Anchor app to record our podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free and easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. I recommend it. We use it here at Chasing Growth. Welcome to Chasing Growth, a podcast on leadership ideas, organizational health, and personal growth. To help us spread the message of Chasing Growth, please subscribe, make a comment, and share this podcast on your social media. And now a new episode of Chasing Growth. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chasing Growth. Today, we have an interview with Chad Logan. Chad is the one of the pastors at Crosspoint, and he's leading the campus at Mill Creek. We talk about coronavirus, the closings, the future, and the church, and what is happening these days, and his view about the coronavirus and what we're facing these days. So I hope this interview is a blessing for you as it was for me. Here is our interview with Chad Logan. Hey, Chad, how you doing? What's up, Pablo? Great to see you, friend. It's, it's crazy, you know, um, I haven't seen you physically in, in a long time. And for some reason, when you miss people so long or, or you're not seeing them, you get so happy when you see them. <laughs> you know, like, it's like, oh, so good to see you. I was just remembering when we had breakfast a couple weeks ago. I'm like, we can't do that anymore, right? I know. It's illegal. <laughs> it's illegal to have uh, breakfast together. So, well, today um, I want to reach out to you and talk a little bit um, uh, about what's going on and your perspective as pastor, as father, and all the things that, you know, maybe a lot of people want to hear, especially these days, they want to hear from the spiritual leaders, you know, from people who is leading us spiritually to what's going on or how to deal. And the thing is that I believe as you, as as an individual, uh, even you have to lead this church and lead them spiritually, uh, you also have to deal with all this situation. You know, you, you also cannot go to a restaurant. You also have to wear masks. You also have to do all those things. So one other thing I was thinking, you know, what are you learning right now? Uh, one, as a pastor, and the other as a father, because you probably, like me, are in your house 24-7 with the same people, and you're not going out to ministry to other people, and your ministry is becoming your family in so many ways, right? So what are you learning these days with what's going on? Yeah, that's so good, because, you know, what I think I'm learning as a father and a pastor are starkly different. There's a stark contrast between the two. Uh, but at the same time, I think the rhythms have changed in both arenas. I think the rhythms have changed in good ways and bad ways. And I'll just start as a father. I think at first, the quarantine life uh, was a struggle for me um, because, you know, I'm trying to work and at the same time be a father. And so I, I started feeling the tension of mm. trying to balance the two. And so I would say about a couple of weeks ago, I created a quarantine schedule 
And that really oh, has allowed me to focus on being a great father and a great pastor. Uh, and so what I can tell you really as a father is I've tried to use this as an opportunity to create healthy patterns as a father um, from walking in the neighborhood every day with the kids to, uh, you know, going to the playground and working out and, uh, you know, watching movies with family, bike riding, um, honestly, just being more present yeah. in the moment with the woman. So I think that's been a big plus, um, you know, you know, this, I mean, stats tell us, you know, the more you're with your family, uh, the more you're with your kids, the more influence you have with your children. And so that's just a stark reality. And uh, I, I remember back in 2018, at the end of 2018, I, uh, I created 10 life statements. And one of those life statements uh, was about my legacy. And uh, I, I wrote this statement, my legacy lives most in who I raise, not what I do. Mm. And I, I've just seen pastors lose their influence in their ministry because they've lost their family. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it's important that, you know, you can't really be a good pastor unless you're a good father. It, it doesn't matter, you know, what arena or organization you work in. I think that that's true for everybody. And so after that, I, I really committed to, you know, reading scripture with my kids and praying with them. Um, I just think that's important. And that's been uh, that's been healthy during the season. And I would just say as a pastor, man, I, Baba, I, I'm just learning more and more that the church is an unstoppable force that nothing uh, can, uh, can deter, you know, God can, um, can do anything he wants. He's sovereign. And the body of Christ, I think really thirst for being together. Yeah. You know, you were talking about earlier about the times we were hanging out. It's the same as the church, you know, Acts 2 and Hebrews 10 talk about not forsaking the, the family and being together as a unit. And that's the way we're wired. I think God's wired us that way. But I do think that the longer that the quarantine goes on, um, the more stir crazy and, and cabin fever um, that I see <laughs> in other people and even experiencing myself. You know, we were talking about earlier uh, being out and about. Yesterday yeah. I was at Dollar General. It was like it was like going to Disney World, right? Are you uh, are you an introvert or uh, extrovert. Yeah, I, I like to tell people I'm an introverted extrovert. Like I get I get energy uh, when I'm around people, but I really enjoy being alone as well. Uh, so I, I think I'm a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I've just seen the church step up um, in her unity, even in the midst of not being together. It's it's powerful, you know. Uh, there's a shirt I saw online. A lot of us have seen these memes and, and these shirts. It says uh, the church has left the building. And I believe that's important for us, you know, as a church to to take advantage of. And so I, I'm seeing that really as a pastor, Pablo, you know, God's using this crisis to deploy our people. And, uh, and I think this crisis is going to rewire the psyche of the American people. 
I, you know, it, it's crazy. Like you're able to work at home. I'm able to work at home. We're getting things done at home. That, yeah. You know, normally we would be in the office. <laughs> no need for commute. <laughs> it's, it's pretty effective and efficient at home. Yeah. Right? We don't have to go into the office. We're saving time. We're yeah. saving resources and we're making things happen because we can do so much, you know, just like the zoom call, we can meet here and, uh, and not necessarily have to be with other people. And, and without the church going out, you know, the church, uh, you know, and we have to right now. There's not like, you know, if we would like to or not, or not, the church is closed. The building is closed. To fight the tension between um, what, what Christ has called us to do, right, and, mm -hmm. and protect people from being sick, but also take care of those who are sick. I, I think we as a church, we are proceeding in ministry, uh, in cautious ways and creative ways. And I think there's so much you can do creatively that, that doesn't necessarily place you in harm's way. We actually put together a document at our church uh, at livehopegivehope.org. And these are practical ways that you can serve your neighbor in the midst of this crisis. And, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of people in our church step up I was talking to a nurse right before we got on the call and she, she was talking about the need for face masks at, at the hospital. We've had people making face masks for our healthcare workers. Uh, we, uh, we've been giving away almost 15,000 pounds of food every single week mm. uh, at our church through uh, our care point ministry. We're seeing about 150 to 200 cars on Wednesdays and Saturdays from nine to 12 yeah and uh, we're praying with people at six feet away uh with masks um <laughs> we're sharing the gospel with people uh we're giving them food it's been an opportunity we we probably would not have capitalized on if if corona did not happen yeah and so uh we've actually been given clearance by the atlanta food bank to operate as an essential service wow. during this crisis so um, we're in the game. We're not on the sidelines, but at the same time, you know, we want to take serious precautions that uh, are recommended by the CDC. And, yeah. uh, you know, to, to your point, be the hands and feet of Jesus. That's great. That's great. At the end of, at the end of this conversation, you probably can give me more information about where people can go and, and we will put the different links maybe of the church. Um, there, because I saw some videos of the church serving food, and I was very impressed with that, because I tend to drive, you know, I have been driving around, going to do some things here and there, and around where we live, in Norris, Georgia, um, there's a lot of churches, but uh, the buildings are closed, nothing is happening, but it's good to hear when actually a church is, okay, the service, we cannot have it, but we're not just about the service, something else is going on, so it's very good to hear that we cross point, and and um and all what they're doing um every day so right now this is a hypothetical question and sometimes this can be hard because it's not right or wrong you don't know really but so you technically you have the opportunity to stop you're stopping right now you uh you know the church is closed technically the service what we probably where we put more emphasis all the time the sundays you know uh and you have the opportunity to start again you know, you're, you're, you, they're going to tell you, the government or somebody will tell you, 
hey, July 1st, you can go live. <laughs> Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> but what would you do different? What would you say, you know what, this is an opportunity to change. We, we saw this, we, we need to do this different. What would you do different when it's about when the church is ready to open? Yeah, I, you know, you said earlier just about, you know, seeing our churches closed. It, it is sad, but I just want to reiterate that, you know, there's a difference between the church building and the church. And we do want to take advantage of the opportunity to be deployed as a local church. If we are confined to Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes, then we're probably not going to make much of an impact anyway. But I think to your question, I I think it's a fascinating question. And I think it's going to affect every church, Pablo, every pastor in some way, is going to be a church planter again. <laughs> yeah. They haven't already been. And so it's like we're starting up all over again. I read an article yesterday written by a local pastor. I think he's right. The title of the article was we're, we're, we're all startups now. You know, we're, we're all church plants again. Um, what does that look like? What does a pre-launch strategy look like? What do pre-view services look like? These are all good questions. You know, I, I think the, the first thing I would say um, to myself, uh, because I was a church planner, is I think we have to be patient as pastors. Mm. You know, we we have to uh, we have to be patient because I, I feel like getting back into a normal Sunday routine is going to be much slower than uh, most pastors are anticipating. We're going to it's going to be just as slow getting back into Sunday as it was, you know, getting into this quarantine life. Uh, in fact, you know, if it's June or July, then those are slow months for the church anyway, for the most part, We're talking about the fall before there's a sense of normalcy. And even if there's no vaccine, there's still yeah. going to have to be a lot of social distance uh, and all that in place. But I think patience is important. I think, secondly, uh, you know, we, we have to do more ministry with less resources. Yeah, I, I don't oh, know that's good. any church out there that's going to have more resources when we start back than they had before we got into this. You know, uh, I, I think we've got to be more creative than ever before. And uh, this means that that ministry will probably need to move away from paid professional staff people. I think this could be a healthy biblical move for churches. I think we, we place ministry back into the hands of the body of Christ. That's wow. Ephesians four at work, uh, equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. I think that will create a healthier church. That, that's, that's a great so, point. Um, yeah. in the, because I, I was thinking, so you see this happening. You see the, the COVID-19 happen and, and we all have to kind of respond the best we know how. Um, and this will happen again in the future. May not be a virus, maybe another situation. Uh, that made you think like, and, and I, I like your point that you're saying, putting the ministry on the people's hands, you know, on the body. Uh, maybe I, that's a completely change of 
par paradigms, kind of how we have been functioning, and and uh, getting ready for whatever is next. So what 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 would be those steps that you think, as a pastor, as your church, you should take to start getting uh, the church ready for the next crisis? Because the Bible tells us the things will happen, and they, probably we'll, we were too comfortable. You know, <laughs> uh, we were doing too good, so nobody <laughs> was worried about something like this happening, right? And then now we have this situation. Uh, so. What would you be doing? How would you be getting ready? And let me give you one example that I thought it was a great um, Christian, I guess, example. Samaritan Purse. It took a uh, few weeks and they were set. They were ready to go. They were ready to serve. They didn't ask for anything. Uh, and they're there, you know. Um, so what are your thoughts about that? How the church should be getting ready? You just said putting the ministry in people's hands. Uh, what what are the things sh we should be doing, like to be ready for the next crisis? Yeah, that's such a loaded question because uh, there are so many ideas that we could be doing. I, I think we need to have a better database of our people, their skill sets. So, to your point, with Samaritans first, you know, they mobilized people immediately because they knew who they had on hand and what mm. they needed to accomplish. But yeah, yeah. I believe we should expect more out of our members in order to do the work of the ministry. You know, maybe the time frame, Pablo, between first time guests and membership shouldn't be as long as it has historically been in the past. You know, let's plug in people to their God given abilities to be the hands and feet of Jesus sooner rather than later so that we're prepared for that crisis. Um, I, I believe that, you know, this philosophy of ministry engages people more. Yeah. I think it gives them more ownership. Well, empower them, yeah. Absolutely. I, I think it pushes back against the, the consumeristic mentality of Sunday morning where people show up anonymously. They slip into church, sit in the back. They slip out of church. We don't even know they have been to church. Um, I, I think that, that after this crisis, consumers will will probably just honestly sit home and peruse through their favorite, you know, mega pastors. And, and, and that's how they're going to do church. And, and I do think they're going to be thirsty for more. Um, and so I think it's a pruning season oh. for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, you know, this startup season um, is going to be hard. I think as, as pastors and leaders, we have to know this. We need to embrace this. And uh, this pruning season will lead to long-term healthy growth on the back end. Yeah. But uh, I think it's taking Corona to really weed out the consumers that come to our churches, you know, once every blue moon. Yeah, for Easter. <laughs> so uh, the, at the same time, with all these things happening uh, with the coronavirus, you know, there's a lot of these uh, people unemployed. Uh, the country probably will face a lot of challenges financially. And I, be, um, I believe some churches are facing this too. And like you said, uh, churches are not getting maybe the same resources they were having before. With that, some churches are closing because they cannot, not because they want to, but because they have paid staff or they're small, they were not ready for this. When you think about the church, the church of the New Testament, what Jesus left as a model, 
how you feel about that? Just just your 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 feelings about a church have to close because they don't have money. How you feel about that? Yeah, let me uh, let me back up just for a minute because I I, I want to address what the church should be doing specifically to prevent closures and to poise itself um, in times like these. And I, I do believe there there's an opportunity on the backside of every obstacle. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny. What, what I'm seeing, Pablo, is that, that churches are embracing change earlier more than ever. You know, some churches, it takes forever for them to make a change. Yeah. But churches have to make changes in the moment. So I, I believe the first thing churches should be doing is they have to continually build their online presence. They have to build the online presence because yeah, I can't speak for every church, but for most of the churches that, that I follow online, it seems like they're creating a more robust online experience, you know, uh, through streaming, through their website, social media, you know, service, chat, rooms, uh, you know, first time gifts, you know, we've created text in decisions, online guest experiences. So churches have to be in the game with their online experience. That's number one. I think number two, you were talking about the financial hit. We've, we've been talking about that. Uh, churches have to continually build their online giving platform. And I know one of the commitments, as you can imagine with our church, is to grow that platform um, as a result of coronavirus. We've actually grown that from about 48% to upwards to 75%. So uh, three quarters of people who give to our church give online and they give consistently. And so, uh, so I think that's a huge advantage that we may not have been able to get to without Corona. But I think the problem is that a lot of churches are in that position. And to your point, you know, there are a lot of churches who are closing. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, this is nothing new. I, I think I think even before Corona, I think over like 4,000 churches in the country close every year. So, you know, I, I think Corona is only going to add to that devastating statistic. Um, I, I think, you know, this is something that uh, is another opportunity that denominations and larger churches uh, can take advantage of related to ministering to these churches. Um, you know, and, and I would say my, my concern, Pablo, is not necessarily for the church corporately, but um, for these church buildings that are closing. And, uh, and honestly, I, I just pray that that these would be redemptive properties that uh, that maybe other new churches will acquire or mergers will acquire. You know, when I was in Germany and college. A lot of the former churches turned into restaurants. <laughs> My prayer is that you know that yeah. it, it would be an opportunity for a fruitful ministry to come in and acquire and see uh, gospel advancement. So I do think it is a way of God pruning the churches, but also the church at large uh, to embrace more of a kingdom minded approach to ministry where, uh, you know, this brings out the best in churches where yeah. we, we support each other more today than we've ever supported in the past. 
you know, I hope it brings out the best in denominational ministry where, you know, financially stronger churches can help financially weaker churches. And that's not necessarily size. I mean, that, you know, there are some large churches who are who are suffering financially. There are some smaller churches who aren't suffering financially. Uh, you know, I have a, a, a friend who pastors locally and, and they've created an opportunity uh, they, they have a fund specifically to help smaller churches who are struggling financially because of Corona. Wow. And so I, I think that's, that's, that's great. You know, our church is a part of the Southern Baptist convention. Um, every year they have an annual meeting this year it's canceled. And so the president of our convention, he's asking churches to use the dollars that would have been spent at the annual meeting to minister locally in their area. So I, you know, I think, uh, again, with every obstacle, there's an opportunity yeah. and, uh, you know, this is the time where churches need to, uh, unite more than ever before. And, uh, this is something that, uh, maybe we, we, we talked before or not, uh, but I have been, I have been thinking about, okay, we, we have this time to stop and like you said, reopen, you know, and in the last 20, 30 years, uh, the church went from a very formal way of worship, uh, first Baptist, first Methodist, first something, you know, <laughs> um, a choir, you know, to to now more like the, the concert type of church, uh, the dark inside, smoke and all that stuff, but maybe not much relationship inside sometimes, I don't know. Uh, but in your in your mind, with all these things that's happening and, and coronavirus and changes and future, and like you said, the internet, the opportunities that we have there, how the next the next church look like? How What do you think, what is your gut feeling about uh, the, the next 20 years going to look like uh, for the church, in, in, in the church that we know? Because in other countries, still we're talking about uh, the very formal type of church that's still happening they they're not necessarily having having they don't have the the mega churches in some places. Uh, resources are very limited. But here in the state, how the worship experience the Sunday morning, what is next the next twenty years? What does that looks like? Wow, you know, as a pastor, you know, I have a little saying that once you think you have it figured out. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I hate to say this, but I, I can speculate. I have no idea. But I think your observation with what has happened in, you know, 21st century evangelical churches has certainly been my experience. Um, you know, my prayer is that the church would, would be more New Testament, would be more biblical. I'm not necessarily convinced it will, but that's my prayer. Um, you know, uh, I've been reading a lot of blogs and articles lately and it's really interesting because I, I read blogs that are diametrically opposed to each other. You know, one, one blog will say that Corona will help the future of the church in these five ways. And then uh, the other articles say, well, it's going to hurt the church in these five ways. It's, it, you know, it's going to, it's going to expose consumer Christianity in one article. And then the other, other article says, you know, more people watch, Easter service than, you know, all of history combined. Right. And so what do you believe? I, you know, I, I think it, it, it's all up in the air. I, I will tell you my observation 
is, uh, is that what we are experiencing is nothing new. I, I think we look back at history. I mean, you know this, you work for Dr. Stanley, you know, uh, uh, really the start of televangelist ministry. I mean, going back to the 40s with, uh, with Billy Graham, you know, he had the, the radio show Hour of Decision, right? And that, that marked the beginning of, of the phenomenon we know as televangelism. That was a game changer for churches. And so uh, it, I think in many ways it helped the church, but in other ways it hurt the church. You know, the, the church uh, started stepping up their game. You know, we started seeing revivals and it, it enabled other churches to, to watch and listen from the luxury of their living rooms and their homes. Um, but you know, you could speak to this more than I could, but I, I think televangelism is waning with each generation. I mean, we're seeing uh, we're seeing uh, younger generations who just aren't watching TV anymore. Um, but what I'm observing, Pablo, with Gen X, Millennials, Gen Z, is really the influence of, of what I call cyber pastors. And, uh, you know, these are pastors who have gone viral on and other social media outlets. And I think with with what we saw in the televangelism era, um, what is permissible in one generation becomes practiced in the next generation. Mm. And so I think with what, what we're seeing online with evangelicalism is uh, is a natural is a natural step to what happened in the late forties with radio and TV. Um in good ways and bad ways, probably more bad than good because you're, you're now seeing the rise of online church where, you know, people are meeting in living rooms and uh, it's cultivating more anonymity, um, not just anonymity, but it's increasing church shopping. You know, the idea that you're trying out more churches without making a commitment. commitment you know if you scroll down and, and you like the the tweet from this pastor more than the other pastor where you might try out his streaming uh, the next sunday so i think mm. the noise of cyber pastors it, it's training our minds to jump from influencer to influencer uh it, it causes us to lose spiritual focus um and and even what we believe because these pastors are communicating different types of truths. Yeah. I think it could potentially uh, cause us to lose our way spiritually. Well, that, uh, that's such that's, an onslaught of information. That's uh, a, not really knowing what we believe. It's like this, this ADD where, you know, we we're so used to swiping. Yeah. And, uh, oftentimes my prayer is that the, the pendulum will swing with the next generation. You know, maybe our kids, Pablo will, will see their parents as, you know, doing this all the time. And maybe they'll revolt and say, you know, we want a deeper sense of community. And what Hebrews 10 says, let's let's be together as the assembly of God, as the body of Christ. Yeah, that, that's a great point. Uh, I constantly tell my kids that I'm I'm their pastor. <laughs> the the spirit of truth have to learn it from me. And it is challenging because especially this day, they, like you were saying, they see me every day. Um, and I completely agree about your your viewpoint about the the church online on YouTube. These um, these pastors that can be there, they they're not necessarily accountable to anything, and everybody can be watching them too. So that, that's a big danger there. So it's a it's a very interesting point to to be thinking about it. You know. So with that, if you every imagine this, every pastor at least in Winnet County 
is watching you right now, what will you tell them? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would just say be who God has uniquely created you to be and be unashamed of that Act boldly act passionately on the, the convictions that God has specifically given you. You know, every year I have, I have a word of a year and uh, for 2020, my word was listen mm. and always listen to what God is specifically telling you to do as a pastor. Um, you know, I, I think Gwinnett County and even uh, Hall County and kind of our community, we are very unique in a number of ways. We are a diverse county. Our, you know, our churches are diverse. Uh, there are mega churches on every corner, right? Um, and, uh, and these are churches who are influencing all over the world. They're inspiring churches all over the world, um, which I do believe creates a myth in, in Gwinnett County that, that our county saturated with churches. But the reality is that, you know, Gwinnett County, we, we are, uh, we're one of the fastest growing counties in the country. Not only that, on any given Sunday, uh, eight out of 10 homes in your neighborhood, if you live in Gwinnett County, will not be inside a church mm. outside of Corona season on any given Sunday. Yeah. Which essentially says there are a lot of unchurched people for uh, for every church to reach. Yeah. And so my, my heart, honestly, Pablo, is for, for pastors across denominational lines to uh, to come together to pray for revival, to pray for awakening that could only happen when churches unite. And, and that's my prayer. You know, uh, we all are influenced by each other, but you know, the, the age adage, you know, don't look over the fence at what the other church is doing, but you know, water the grass and grow fruitful ministry where you are and do what only God has uniquely wired you to do. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, before all this, we stayed home on a Sunday, and I went to walk the dog. I decided to, and I was actually, I always, for some reason, you know, I come from another country. You come here, you see churches in every corner, uh, and you think, well, everybody must be a Christian. That's the, the first thought you have. I remember that when I was thinking about that. So everybody know who is Christ, and everybody understand all these things. You can speak with any anyone, and they will know. That's what my interpretation of seeing all these churches around was. And so I was walking the dog, and I realized there was a lot of people doing a lot of other things that morning, and not a church. And not because they're working or anything else, they're just not going. Um, me, I was just missing a day being lazy, probably. Uh, but it's amazing. It's amazing to me uh, that the, with the, like you said, the amount of churches in Winnet County, for example, and still there's so many people who hasn't been reached uh, to be part of the body. You know, they may know some of the truth, but they don't live by the truth. And um, I think there's a, there's a big challenge there. But at the same time, I think that applied to the whole United States. Um, you know, the, uh, for me, the local church is the, the thing they, they tell you the, the temperature of, of the culture, right? 
if the local church is messing up, probably there's a lot of things that are messing up. And I, to this year, we have a year of election. You know, we have uh, uh, November. In November, we have to vote for a president and maybe other things. And uh, and I, I try to think about the, how the church is in America. And there's a lot of studies, you know, there's a lot of stuff that say, well, 80% know about Jesus, but only like 30% go to church and like 10% of people who go to church donate or something like that. It's, it's, it go lower and lower and lower. And maybe maybe few pray and maybe just a few actually read the Bible. So what do you, how do you feel about that um, when we still have like abortion so high? You know, Christians involved in politics looking for the Savior on the person in the White House and that kind of stuff. How do you feel about that? How, what would you say... It's a good way to see that because this is the reason we all watching a lot of news these days. And I'm pretty sure the people at, at your congregation is watching a lot of news. Uh, we have a favorite program now. It's called the President Briefing at 5 p.m. <laughs> it's very entertaining. And so everybody's watching it. Um, and and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of Christians right now. They, they're looking for answers in the president, looking for answers in the administration, in the governors. And what what did I tell you about the state or how the church is today in the United States? What what will be your message to the Christian that can hear you today uh, about that? What will be the the right approach and not fall for uh, a world view of how things should be? Like, well, you know, almost like we need a Christian president to resolve everything, you know? How do you feel about that? I know it's a it's a all over the place question, but I like to hear what people say about that. I'm not I'm not in, too much in politics. I just laugh a lot about the backs and forward. But what will be your your little message for people who is watching the news like I do, and um, and and still see you know how the contradictions, the politicians, and all that stuff? What will be your little message about that to the people in your congregation? <laughs> Wow, that, that's a hard one uh, because there's nothing more divisive than church and politics, you know, uh, where you have some people who watch Fox News, right? You have others who watch CNN or, lo and behold, MSNBC. Uh, it, it's a hard question because I I think it, it has to do with your view of church and state. And I, I think to your – you said earlier about it thermostat I, I think the church should be the thermostat of culture and society but unfortunately what we're seeing is that the culture and society are the thermostat for churches mm. which has created a type of uh, liberalism in our churches and uh, and they're setting the gauge for the churches who are contextualizing to their culture, and in many ways, doing things that are silly, obsequious, or even unbiblical. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, you, you're saying when it comes to abortions and, and hope of, you know, offices, um, the church has to equip her people to think rightly about Scripture, how that influences culture and society. Um, you know, when... Uh, when our parents, you were talking about people who may call themselves Christians, they're not in church, they're, you know, doing things on Sunday morning. When, when our parents are getting more exposure to television, to the news, 
the politics, social media, when they're getting more exposure to those three elements than the church and scripture, there's no wonder why people may hold to a view that, quite frankly, isn't biblical because they don't know what the Bible says about those issues. And so, you know, our hope is not, you know, to, to place someone in office necessarily. We have someone who is in office who is authoritative. It's, it's not Donald Trump. It's Jesus. He's our living hope. That's what First Peter tells us. So any person in office will ultimately let us down regardless if they're left-leaning or right-leaning. Uh, it, it's just a matter of fact. For example, if, if we would all agree that our current president has made decisions that have both helped push back against ending abortions, but at the same time belittled the importance of loving neighbor through uh, character issues related related to you know asking for forgiveness, the treatment of women. You know, we we could always we could always find some character flaws, right? So, in other words, I I think it's in, it's impossible to marry your faith. To a political party, I think it's dangerous to do that. Yeah, and this I think you don't see me. You won't see me online uh, engaging in heated political battles um, because the gospel may be at stake in that conversation, and, yeah. and I don't ever want to put the gospel under a political issue. Jesus's political paradigm was simple: you know, love God, love your neighbor. And if we're serious about that, then it, it makes sense that we get involved in politics and in those institutions. But the Bible should be the paradigm by how we see politics. Yeah. And in many ways, Pablo, people have that Twisted. the other way around. And people view the Bible from a political paradigm. So we have to view politics from a biblical paradigm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's important. And I think when that happens, the church raises her level of influence. And then at that point, she becomes the thermostat for setting the, uh, the temperature of society and culture, to your point. Very good. Very good. That, that's, a, that's a great way to say. I think that you're right. And maybe it will be uh, in the future a little challenging um, to talk to congregations about that. But I think it's, it's, it's already due we, um, to people to speak the truth uh, related to politics and all that stuff. There's some, sometimes like, people try to avoid that conversation because somebody will stand up and leave, you know. Um, but I think it's, um, even with what is happening these days, uh, we know the, the times are short. We don't have all the time in the world to do what God called us to do, which is spread the gospel uh, to all nations. So... Chad, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Where, um, where we can learn more about your church? Yeah, Pablo, uh, man, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been an honor. It's been fun. I just go to crosspointchurch.com, and uh, it's crosspointchurch.com with an E after point, and you should be able to uh, navigate our website and find out more information about our church how we're engaged and updates related to uh, COVID-19. And Dr. Merritt um, is, is still online every weekend? 
Absolutely. We are streaming from our website, crosspointchurch.com forward slash live. And you can also follow us on uh, Instagram or Facebook, CrosspointGA or CP Mill Creek. And uh, we are streaming live on those platforms as well. You know, I always said the leaders are repeaters. And uh, Dr. Mary repeats something all the time. You have to talk about Christ. You know, you got to... And, 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 uh, I, I appreciate that uh, of him constantly reminding people that it's not about him doing it, but we all have the the responsibility to do it. So it's great to hear. So thank you again. I hope your family is doing well. I know you have a newborn too. So he will be, it's a boy or a girl. I'm sorry. Baxter. Baxter Dean is six months old, little boy. Oh, okay. So he will be the Corona generation uh, in the future. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, thank you, Chad, again. I appreciate your time. Uh, have been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. I hope in the future we can uh, talk again. God bless you, man. You too, Paolo. Thank you so much. You are amazing, buddy. Thank you, man. Bye. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Please help us spread the message of chasing growth by subscribing, commenting, and sharing this podcast on your social media and circle of friends. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Again, thank you for listening and keep chasing growth and stay tuned to our next episode.